0: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Bob Nolly and the Labrador Leadership Podcast. You must be prepared to ignite. We're on fire. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. now, now. Here's Bob. Hey
1: everybody, how are you? Welcome back. Come on up. Have a seat. Episode number 89, I believe. Welcome to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. Thanks to all of you for gathering here. Hey, I should mention there is uh, something else I've been working on. And uh, you all may have crossed paths with it because we've mentioned it. Uh, There is another show called the Six Wheels Consulting Podcast, and uh, I ran into a great young man named Matthew Shapiro, who is disabled, but he is so active in speaking, lobbying. He's bright, sharp, well-spoken, and just a heck of a guy. And I had a couple of conversations with him, and I asked him if he'd ever done a podcast And he said he would love to do one. So we talked a little more and he he and I end up doing this show together called the Six Wheels Consulting Podcast. And when we do the end of the show, I try to remember to say the phrase, think inclusion. So I think inclusion very often with him. And I ran across an article today on that subject of inclusion and I thought I'd share this with you and some thoughts on that today. Out of the Harvard Business Review, uh, two, uh, two writers, Lori McKenzie and Shelley Correll, wrote this about how we get around our biases. And the point they raise is we want to be more inclusive. Now, if we don't want to be more inclusive, that's an entirely different problem. But we do want to be more inclusive overall. And we recognize that the value of that diversity is the right thing to aspire to. But I think the writers let let everyone off the hook when they say, we just don't know how to get there. That managers don't have the right framework to get over those challenges that their bias brings forward. And if they're ill-equipped to deal with them, then... Then they'll go back to their old habits. So these two ladies, these two scholars, Lori McKenzie and Shelley Carell, they're out at Stanford in the uh, Stanford Women's Leadership Lab. And they're doing work there to help industries become more inclusive. And they have research that shows that there are two really small ways that managers can block bias. And they're very powerful. And one is looking at how they define success. And second, they should look at what they call additive contribution of their own team members, additive contribution. And here's where the problem comes from. When you're hiring, interviewing, selecting, or even promoting people, we have this assumption of what success looks like, of what talent looks like. And we measure people against that. And they have termed this as a kind of hidden template of success. People that are successful look like this. And potentially... It's not too much of a stretch to think that that template favors one group over another, even if members of uh, each group are likely to be successful. So like when you're hiring somebody in the interview process, you're sitting there and you ask them where they went to school and share your experiences there. And we have that kind of conversation and we really think we're gathering the relevant information that helps us decide objectively Whether that person is going to be a good fit for the opening that is at hand. But that's not really what we're doing there. What we are doing is measuring that person against this hidden template. Do they go to the right school? Are their experiences like ours? It used to be said we're more comfortable hiring people that are just like us. And we're trying to be diverse, we're trying to be inclusive managers are, but it's tough for them to do that. So managers end up hiring people that match the template that they have. Now, it looks like it's a way to get to sound decision-making, but what it does is it gives preferences to candidates in the job selection process that are a safe bet. No one's going to argue with your selection. No one's going to argue with your choice. It's a safe bet. So in the example they mentioned here, finance, it might mean MBA graduates only from elite universities are likely to succeed at their jobs. So even if you apply that to everybody in the candidate pool, it could lead to a preference for hiring white males. 67% of graduates of the high-end MBA programs are male. So another example. In positions that look for skills for working in an open source context, our template that we carry around in our heads, they say, believe that with no evidence at all, with no evidence at all, that only someone who's already part of the open source community can do the job well. Well, if we define things that narrowly, it'll result in the same kind of candidate being picked over and over and over. Those who volunteer in that community will often do so outside beyond their paid day job, which excludes people with roles in their lives that have to give care to others, parents, children, or other responsibilities they have outside of work. So the open-source communities are typically only 3 to 5% women, and they're mostly young men. So that's how replicating this template of success brings in sameness. And sameness is the enemy of inclusion. Sameness blocks performance. And as much earlier as we've talked about innovation, it also blocks innovation. Diversity spurs that on. In research that has spanned decades at Columbia University, it was repeatedly seen that when asked to innovate, teams that include diverse members and that value the contributions of all their members solidly outperform more homogenous teams. So when you work across difference, the Columbia research found that team members work harder. They have to work harder in order to communicate, in order to be, reach consensus, and collaborate with other members that don't have the same experience that they do, that don't have the same perspective that they do. If you're on a team like that, you have to think more deeply You have to work harder to get to better decisions. In fact, they say, that makes you smarter. Okay, so how do you block the biases? What do these two tools do for you? The first one. What are the criteria for success? Don't be ambiguous about that. Ask what are the hidden preferences that you have. Then challenge yourself. Ask yourself what are the mindsets, the skills, what are the critical thinking skills that actually make your team successful. Paint the picture of the perfect player. What do they look like? If you do that and hold that in front of you, It'll make you more effective at hiring the right people. You may have that great conversation, a great interview with somebody that you feel strongly about because you've shared experiences, because you have the same worldview. However, they're not going to add the diversity to your team. So look at what the criteria for success are. Then, look at what a person's value is to your team. Each person on your team, how does that person, what they do, day in and day out, week in and week out, over the course of a project, what does that person do to help us have better discussions, make better decisions, does this person help me see outside the box? Professor Mary Murphy, who is another expert, in addition to others we've mentioned here before on the growth mindset and organization, asked this. How can this person add to the total value of our team? I, in, in my interviewing process, that's, that's a key question that I have echoing in my head throughout the whole conversation is do I want this person on the bench? And I don't mean on the bench doing nothing. I mean on my team, on the bench, ready to take, uh, take a task and run with it. Can they do that? And just as you look at all the people on your team and what their contributions are, you have the opportunity at the same time to do a gap analysis. What am I missing? Am I missing something that this person has? One of the most popular, and I stand right behind them Tom Rath's book on Strengths Finders. I've been with a team before where there was a great amount of surface diversity, ethnic diversity, age diversity, gender diversity. Statistically, we looked very diverse, but through the strengths finder lens, the five strengths that we each had were all among the same list of only seven or eight of 32. So our strengths were virtually all the same. No matter what we looked like on the surface, we were very, very similar in the skills we bought to. So there was there was a huge gap there. Another question to ask is what does this person have that can get us through difficulties? I we're here on episode 89 now and I've said the word grit many times. And in having this conversation with others I you know have talked about defining grit and just what that means. It's something a bit more nuanced than just overcoming obstacles. Grit talks about a certain type of mindset to overcome obstacles. Kind of a repetition of climbing over an obstacle and getting rebuffed, and climbing over an obstacle and getting rebuffed again and again, and still stepping up to it. That's grit. And grit is cumulative, I think. You could go through your entire career and accumulate grit. That ends up being your experience. So what is this additive contribution to your team? What are the blanks that get filled in? Even though the conversation is easier at the time of selection, with somebody that shares the same experiences as you. How can you help your team? Remember these things, because this is a recurring theme, a recurring theme, and we'll talk more about that over and over
0: Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast for the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. be, be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob.
1: Thank you for listening today. To learn the secret of leadership and improving your performance in the workplace, in your career, on the home front, in every key relationship in your life, go to labradorleadership.com and download my piece on the secret and let me know what you think. See you next time.